What is going on, Ready Eddie Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. Welcome to the Ready Eddie Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. What's going on, guys? Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to give you a quick update on the Ready Eddie membership program. To this point, we've grown to have thousands of products from up-and-coming startups and small businesses in the outdoor travel and lifestyle space on the platform. You can save up to 50% off all of these products, anything from skis to jackets to food bars to supplements, anything you could think of to support your outdoor activities is on the platform from small up-and-coming brands. It's a great opportunity to support small businesses while also discovering brands that you've never heard of. You can show off the new gear to your friends and also save a ton while doing it. If you're interested in checking it out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members to get your first month free. Today's episode, I am sitting down with the owner of um, Kemper Snowboards, Jib Hunt. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Awesome. All right. So Kemper Snowboards, tell me uh, about uh, your brand. How would you best describe it to someone who's never heard of Kemper before? The way I would describe it is back in the late 1980s, early 1990s, Kemper was actually one of the hottest snowboard brands in the market. Uh, It was best known for its bright neon colors and funky graphics it had one of the, the top uh, pro teams in the industry at the time. And what happened um, is that it went out of business eventually, and a lot of time went by. And what I've now done is, um, by owning the trademark, I've brought the brand back, and I'm reissuing the old graphics in order on current-day snowboards with current-day construction. So how did you grow up as a fan of Kemper and when they went out of business have this idea of reviving the brand or did it sort of just serendipitously happen? So back when I started, ironically, Kemper originally started in 1987 and that was actually the same year when I started snowboarding. So I'm going to date myself. I was 12 years old uh, that winter. and. Kemper was actually a Kemper Rampage. The 1988-89 Kemper Rampage was my second snowboard I've ever owned. A lot of my friends also rode Kemper when we were first learning how to snowboard. And yeah, it was it was a great brand back then. And as I went through the years of snowboarding and eventually around 1994 when the brand went out of business. I honestly wasn't paying attention that time that the brand had gone out of business because so many brands were were up and coming at that time. And um, the snowboarding scene was just getting bigger and bigger year after year. And to answer the second part of your question, no, I, I, I never thought back then, oh, this would be a great brand to start up again. Um, I, I went I worked uh, at Burton Snowboards from 1998 to 2003. Before that, I was a pro snowboarder for five years. And after I officially got out of the snowboard industry, 
time went on, I went into other uh, apparel, the apparel industry. I've been in the ad tech marketing technology industry and I've always been snowboarding on my own throughout the years and still love snowboarding, follow it. But I finally started to get the itch to figure out a way to do something again because um, having that entrepreneurial spirit and the last couple of years I've been riding prototype boards from another factory um, over in China and making the boards the way I wanted them. And it finally hit me that, hey, I, I'm going to start to look up all these brands that were really cool back in the day. And and just knowing how trademarks work um, and the laws there, that I wanted to find a cool brand that had been out of business for a long time and was free and clear um, to revive and, and Kemper was one of them. And that to me was just the, um, the, the, the gold mine per, per se, because I just knew that so many people loved that brand back in the day. This, myself included. So this is actually really interesting. You're the first person I've ever met that had the idea of starting a brand and reviving an old brand that existed with that sort of brand recognition. How, what made you think of doing that and not just starting a new brand altogether? Um, well, to be honest, when I started making, not me personally, but when I started having boards made from the factory um, overseas, I and I, I what I did was I I thought up of a name. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna try a Kickstarter, and I kind of, for more lack of a better term, I half-assed it, and I, I tried to, you know, kickstart the name of the company. It's called Stealth Snowboards, and it didn't work out, and and I and that was kind of it. And then I um, so I learned a lot there about that, um, and then I. I've just been paying attention in general. A lot of older brands in you know in the sporting goods world and the apparel world were popping back up again, and especially um, you know the first one to do Sim Snowboards launched last winter, and that that was another um, amazing hot brand back in the day, right there with Kemper. So they came back. Um, They actually came back with uh, Terry Kidwell, who was who was one of their original freestyle riders and who to this day is one of, you know, he's him and Craig Kelly, in my opinion, are the godfathers of freestyle snowboarding. So Sims definitely um, was the first person to do it. And that kind of, that did give me the idea of, Hey, you know, I've been wanting to do this snowboard brand. What other brands out there? Cause there were, there have been a lot of snowboard brands that have come and gone through the years. Which ones, are cool and which ones, um, you know, had just been, you know, left to die for many, many years. And that's doing that research. That's how I came across Kemper. That's so interesting. So then you have experience with trademark law. So you knew sort of how to navigate acquiring the rights to the name and sort of restarting the business. Yeah, I've, I've done it before, um, with apparel brands at other companies. Um, yeah, there's definitely um, you have to be you have you have to you know get legal advice and and make sure that y- your your um, 
researching and, and checking as much as possible. And even if you apply for a trademark, doesn't mean you're going to get it. Um, so yeah, I definitely did my homework on that. I know even as an example, <clears throat> the, um, when Burton bought forum Foursquare, and special blend years ago, they, they bought out the brand, they kept the brand going for a couple of years and then they just a hundred percent shut it down. So they, in essence, claim that market share and those brands just uh, stopped altogether. And and I know that there is a, a company in California who's um, doing the same thing. Um, I believe they secured Special Blend or Foursquare. I, it's either one of those two. And they're fighting in court now trying to get Forum Snowboards as well. The only thing with that is you're up against Burton Snowboards um, and having worked there, you know, they they definitely um, Jake and crew and John Lacey, you know, they know what they're doing and they have a great legal team. So um, that would be a battle I would not want to go up against myself. Definitely. So did you have to talk to the founder, David Kemper, and like sort of work out a deal or was it just sort of um, a lot more simple because the business just doesn't exist and there isn't a big company like Burton that bought, um, you know, sort of absorbed the business. Yeah. So it was, so a lot of people don't really know the history and even myself, I researched a lot online and then I eventually was able to talk to some of the original, um, people who worked at Kemper and even David himself. And what happened was that so David started the brand, started out of his garage. Um, he he then built it up, and he sold it to a company um, in the late '80s, uh, going into the '90s. So then he had sold the brand and it went to a company on the West Coast. It was a windsurfing company, and they wanted an, um, a brand to round out um, a winter with a winter company, so they have a you know, all seasons business. So they, they ran that for a bunch of years, I would say three, three or four years maybe. And then they sold it to an inline skate company on the East coast. And then that company basically just drove it into the ground at the end, very, very end. Cause I talked, cause some of the guys, um, some of the employees from the West Coast company went over to the East Coast company. At the very, very end, they were setting up boards and bindings to be shipped off to Costco. So that's where the brand brand died was at Costco. So David at that time was two companies removed, and then twenty plus years had had gone by. Um, so I, I personally, you know, when I was going through this whole process, I um, did reach out to him because I thought it would be cool to see if he was interested in being involved again because he was, you know, it's his name. He started it, but he he politely declined. But I will be sending him boards to ride for sure. And that's really interesting. Okay, so you secure the rights. You now start Kemper Snowboards. Um, this is your inaugural season. So this is the first time in 24 years that Kemper boards are hitting the snow. Um, what has it been like getting things off the ground? It's been, it's been 
fun. It's been exciting. Um, I mean, I, I honestly, I started this whole thing very late. Um, for, for those people listening that aren't familiar with the selling and, and production and, and, and shipping of the ski and snowboard industry, typically it's an 18 to 18 month cycle where if you typically around August, uh, even even July, you're getting into it. You're designing the new product, starting to make samples. By October and November, you're starting to preview samples in the line to some of your key key shops. And definitely by December, January, you are uh, selling selling the line wholesale. And then by February, you have to place your order with the factory so that you can get everything made, get everything shipped to your warehouses and get get those boards in the store by late July. So that's the traditional model. My approach was I was going to start direct to consumer and because I was doing everything myself, I actually started building momentum uh, with the Instagram and Facebook account in in early April and started building it up, found a lot of photos. And I, you know, really was starting to call it launch the brand in, in June. So compared to the rest of the industry, I was starting late, but based on the power of social media and and also because I was going to take the approach of selling to direct to consumer to start out, um, I was able to to catch up and get people hyped up towards the end of the summer where everyone was starting to get that itch for snowboarding again. Now, did you, did you have to place an order for a specific number of boards and sort of just, um, to your best estimation, hope that you sold through them in this, in the season? Yes, that's correct. I did do that. But again, through working with so many apparel brands through the years and knowing how, um, shops and uh, and brands, or excuse me, how brands have gone out of business because they haven't been paid for, um, you know, either um, by shops or chargebacks. I just didn't want to get into that putting out, putting out product and hoping it sold. So what I did was because I was selling online, I actually pre-ordered. I was promoting the brand again, promoting the boards. And throughout the summer, I was I was getting people to uh, actually pay for the product in advance, and that gave me a good indication of how many to buy. You know, I I was conservative with the bulk production. I mean, if it was uh, you know ten thousand people wanted to buy boards, then I would make ten thousand boards. So I I tried to be as smart as possible with with starting off um, this brand, and and honestly, if I feel the the process and the road I took would is a pretty good playbook for for any type of brand um, in making sure that you're just not investing a ton of money into something and then finding out later that no one wants it. No, I think that's really really smart. So how did you get? Um, how did you build the audience to uh, start getting those pre orders? So I I spent pretty much all my time on Instagram. Um, 
of course, Facebook owns Instagram and, and it trickles over into Facebook. So the combination of, of Facebook and Instagram, I was um, starting to, to put out posts and, and find photos, older photos, and add them to the Kemper Instagram. And of course, give credit to the, the photographers from back in the day because um, there were there are a lot of photos and just start bringing adding those to the account and then just you know reaching out to the the industry you know following people i knew i've been in the snowboard industry in and out of it for for many many years and then the other approach is there's a lot of um there's probably say five to ten uh snowboard collecting groups on facebook um, some of the big ones are Dig My Quiver and Snowboard Trader, and then they, they kind of spawn out into uh, smaller factions by region. But I would go on there and, and start teasing out about Kemper. And, and everyone in those groups, they are they're going to yard sales, they're going to Goodwill and trying to find all the retro boards, and they trade them and they sell them. So there's a big market for that nostalgia retro-type snowboard. So that's that my core audience. I um I had that at my disposal to um go out and, and start spreading the word. That's really interesting. Okay, so now I want to pivot to the actual manufacturing and design of the boards. Um how did you go through the whole process of like obviously you have a you have a you have background be, being a pro, so you have a great personal uh knowledge of like what makes a great snowboard. Um, but how did you go through sort of designing um, and going through the process of developing a board that you would be proud to sell and also ride? And how is it different than, um, you know, say a Burton board or, or is it that different um, from a board from a bigger brand? Yeah, so I will I'm the first one to say that um, when I worked at Burton, I, I was actually the design director of all the soft goods. So boards boot or excuse me um not boards and boots but or bindings that's hard goods i was uh, all the apparel um bags um accessories and so forth so i i do not have a background in designing snowboards i do know what i like in in a snowboard for and and what types of snowboards um work you know the different types of boards for different situations whether it's powder or let's say uh, a board across versus a half pipe versus a park or even, you know, handrail type boards. But so to answer the question, um, the factory, the original factory I found, they had a lot of open molds that had a lot of great shapes. And then, so I would start with the shapes that they had. And then uh, from there you can, you know, can pick the, the materials um, the different types of cores and the bases and the edges, um, the top sheets, uh, the flex, um, where the inserts. So that I all had a good preference on and, and, and also just knowing what the market was used to. So um, uh, that that part was, was easy opposed to starting from scratch with, you know, trying to design your own custom shape. I am now, even as I speak right now, I'm, I've stepped up into another factory that's more highly technical, um, 
where it's it is closer to um, what I would say the the quality of Burton. But I I will you know Burton Burton is on its own own uh, level. They have unlimited resources. They have um, the the money to put behind it. They have people like um, JG who's been developing the boards for years. Chris Doyle. Those guys, you know, they have their own. They have Craig's Lab right there in Burlington. They, you know, they have like the the candy shop where they can just crank out new ideas all the time. So um, I am definitely not at that stage, but I will say the boards that um, are out in uh, on the hill this winter, I've been riding for the last couple of years and been beating the hell out of them, and I the quality there is great, but I'm even stepping up a lot higher to take the boards to the next level to be, um, you know, as close as possible to compete. Let's call it with the second tier under burden. Now, who would you say is your perfect, um, customer, right? Like what is it? What is the, um, um, the type of person that the Kemper board is perfect for? Is it mostly for people who like obviously knew Kemper growing up, um, is it also going after sort of a younger crowd? Who would you say, you know, is the best fit? So, yeah, there's a, my ideal customer profile would be, I would say, I'd say the sweet spot, the, the low hanging fruit is definitely the, the group of riders that are in their thirties to 40s and 50s because they grew up with Kemper so they knew the brand for sure so that 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 is one group of people who um, definitely um, are buying the board for the nostalgia part of me I, I get tons of emails and direct messages saying oh my god I can't believe you guys are back that was my first board or my second board I have so many great memories on a Kemper it's like it's amazing it's just awesome to to hear all the feedback from everyone. So that's definitely one group of people, but then there's, then there's that, that new school group of, you know, the younger kids who, you know, are into the whole retro look and, um, that, so that's more at at a graphic level with a retro vibe, but overall, um, you know, if you were to take the graphics away, the boards themselves have to perform as well. So I, I'm, I'm, I would say that, you know, board performance is, is someone who's looking for a performance in a board that would, that would be one type of customer. And then it just kind of varies on the, the, the graphic appeal of the nostalgia of the brand or just people who will like those bright neon colors and something that's a little bit different than, or very different than what's going on in the market today, which is, you know, it's always been, the years very you know custom graphics with a lot of artwork and paintings and and intricate designs so this is uh kind of simplifying it in a way but turning it up with the volume of bright colors what would you say has been the hardest part about getting kemper off the ground the hardest part um the hardest part i mean for sure trying to do everything yourself um, is definitely hard, um, but rewarding at the same time. Um, but difficult it, it's, I'd say, you know, 
having a marketing background is is for sure i've i know a lot of the tricks of the trade and 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 how to um, get the word out across different channels organically for free but yeah for sure i mean if if i had bigger advertising budgets and um more uh more more helped to get the word out for sure that i think that's that's you know the hard part there's so many hours in a day but yeah i mean overall it's i would love to get to a point where i could um focus on on continuing to grow the brand and and not have to be packing boards and and printing out shipping labels and just doing you know the full soup to nuts of the business um that's the hard part it's you know it's and and snowboards you know anyone that's ever packed a snowboard um you know if if you're putting a couple in a box and you know you're shipping orders that that's gets pretty heavy after a while and um, for those uh, older folks out there you know you start to feel it in the morning after packing and lifting boards all night definitely um so you we talked about the the fact that um you know so the inaugural season so you still have um a full-time job so you're clearly burning candle at both ends <laughs> and wearing a ton of hats um, what has that been like and how do you, how do you stay on top of everything? Um, so how do I stay at it? eating right for sure? Um, eating right. Um, also just, you know, I'm going to get a little heady here, but meditating and, and trying to when I can and doing priming, you know, if anyone has ever listened to or seen Tony Robbins just doing some routines in the morning, just kind of get your body going. I mean, Tony Robbins can speak for 11 hours straight, uh, which is amazing. So just taking any of that type of those type of techniques to um, keep, keep me going. And, and definitely my sleep has gone down the, the amount of time I sleep at night, but honestly, I'm, I wake up and, and I'm ready to go, but it's in, in all, in addition to all that, it's being being organized, being efficient with your time, staying focused. Um, you know, I have the day job. Uh, anytime I, you know, I commute, so I can do some stuff in the morning and on the way home um, when I'm commuting. And otherwise, it's it's just trying to um, uh, be as efficient as possible. And, and you know, the the drive for all of it is, you know, this is this is the one thing that, you know, snowboarding has been part of my life forever. And it's, it's definitely, you know, uh, my passion for it is, is still very high. And it's the one thing, you know, I'd love to do full time. So the drive is definitely, definitely there to put the effort into it. And, and then just getting all the great feedback from everyone and, and seeing that, you know, people are actually buying the boards. I mean, that's just motive motivating, um, as well. So, and, and ultimately, you know, it's, I, I can't, I'm going in two days for the first time and, you know, it's all about getting out on the snow myself. So now I'm making boards that, um, I'm going to actually going to be able to ride myself. So that it's just kind of a, a lot of, uh, motivational goals to, uh, push through the, the late nights. I totally get it. It's, it's always, um, 
it's a very unique and awesome feeling to be able to ride something that you've designed and built. Like I, I have my co-founder and I actually started building and designing skis. That's how we got our start in the industry. Um, so it was always a fun sort of experience going through that um, and being on your own board um, or skis for us. Um, now, it, it, obviously, this is an inaugural season. Um, do you have any idea how long you think it'll take for you to um, make Kemper your full-time uh, job? Um, no, I don't, I don't have that crystal ball. I, I just, I, I have plenty of graphics, um, you know, to keep me going for a while. I'm going to do the graphics in, in order. And I think, I honestly think that this winter is actually going to help all the people that have bought boards. And when people start seeing them out on the hill again, there's going to be that's going to be advertising as well. So I'll be curious to see if there's an uptick of of interest and even people ordering throughout the winter, just because now people will be out um, on the boards and people will start seeing them. And the people that were snowboarding in in the 90s and 80s who remember that brand will will definitely do a double take and I'm sure ask the person a lot of questions. Oh, definitely. I, I would. <laughs> um, now, uh, we, with the way in which you, you do the batch ordering, would you then just sell uh, pre-orders again, or would you be periodically refilling inventory, I guess, as 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 they sell through? Yeah, there's. Um, I just released uh, the original Freestyle um, from 88, the 88-89 season. So I didn't start with that season because i i personally didn't feel the graphics as a set across all the boards were were they were pretty pretty basic e- even you know from today's standards the 80 80 uh or excuse me 89 90 graphics are pretty basic but so i just released that again and <clears throat> i'm you know i'm pre-ordering that one right now it's gonna ship in um january but yeah i think i'll always do the pre-ordering and you know i gave a lot of incentives for people that pre-ordered as well um so by them putting their faith in me you know they got um, a discount for pre-ordering and i i have also started to um because at the because uh with all the social media, actually shops have reached out to me. So I have opened up a couple shops. So I am um, working on that model as, as well. So I, I want to be strategic with the shops, but I always want to um, also um, do as much online as possible. But the, the trick with online is if, if you are, uh, regardless of the inventory, it's um it's always going to be a question mark so you know giving people incentive to pre-order just helps um helps myself the brand kemper brand know you know what to order what not to order that's a very smart way of doing it now uh, up until this point have you made any um bigger mistakes that you um you know now looking back in hindsight we're like man i wish i did this a little differently um, I wouldn't say I've made any big mistakes. I've been, 
as they say, building the airplane while I'm flying it. So um, I'm, I haven't, I've, I've had to make some fine tuning tweaks, no big, big mistakes. The only, the only thing I, um, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but um, if I could go back in time and I was able to pull thing, I would have tried to get things going maybe six months sooner. That would have allowed me to reach out to some more let's demo shops at ski areas or maybe even some key shops because by the time um i started this summer they or even this fall for that matter all for majority of the shops they already placed all their buys for the year so they were you know had no money to bring in something new they're actually waiting for customers to start you know buying the stuff right so where where do you see Kemper snowboards in the next year, five years, ten years down the road? If you've thought about it, I mean, if I had to paint the perfect picture, it would be um, the the brand. Um, my idea is to to offer the library of graphics from the from back in the eighties and nineties, then eventually move into actually offering new graphics, whether it's um, different colorways of the old graphics or 100% new graphics growing the brand. It'd be great to um, get some additional riders on the team. I mean, right now we have Kurt Heine, who is an original rider. We have Kevin Jones, who is one of the biggest names in snowboardings. Um, Martin Gallant, is, who was one of the big team riders he's riding the boards andy hetzel um he was one of the top team riders he he's on the board so growing growing uh the team would be great um but i if i can if i can continue to do the online business grow that um have strategic partnerships with either distributors across the world and key shops um um near ski resorts that would be great and then ultimately i think it'd be awesome just to have have uh you know kemper small kemper stores um throughout throughout the world that'd be great i mean burton burton's definitely going that model i i don't want to get into the whole burton line where i'm doing boards boots bindings and apparel and outerwear and you know summer apparel i i I don't want to get that big. I, I'd just be happy having having um, a small, tight line with a focus on the boards and having some some cool um, flagship stores. I think would be awesome. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see all the things that come down uh, the road with Kemper. What, what for you? What, what's the best part about uh, running Kemper snowboards? The best part. I actually get to ride ride the boards. I mean that's that's just the fun part is just um, bringing back the boards that everyone's excited about and this winter it's you know being able to to ride those boards and then what will be even more the icing on the cake is when I run into other people on the hill uh, whether I know them or not with other Kemper boards and I can stop them and and ride with them and just see people out on the product I mean that's that's going to be a great feeling. 
Oh yeah, I'm sure it'll bring a smile to your face no matter how many times it happens. <laughs> for sure. Um, now, for the listener who um, is listening to this episode between November 27th and Christmas Day, you can actually enter to win um, a couple of Kemper snowboards along with a ton of other uh, skiing snowboard gear. So you can head over to readyeddy.com for your chance to win between November 27th and Christmas. Um, and with that, I for anyone listening, Jib, where's the best place for them to sort of keep tabs uh, on all the things that you got going on with Kemper snowboards and um, any new models that you guys and graphics that you guys are going to be releasing? Our website is www.kemper-snowboards.com and our Instagram handle is Kemper Snowboards. And we'll get all that linked up in the show notes for anyone uh, listening who wants to check that out with that, Jib. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast, share your story and the um, reviving of Kemper. It's definitely a very unique way of looking at business uh, or starting a, a new business that has existed already. Um, really excited to see everything that, that um, you know, is, comes down the pike um, with Kemper. And thanks again for coming on the show. Great. Thank you very much for having me. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.